Today is the tenth uh, of April, two thousand twenty-two. So we come together and train our minds each day like this. We probably are aware already that when this mind has mindfulness, when it has wisdom, these two qualities, vasati and panya, are well established within the jitta, and then it will have samaditi, this right view. We'll know about suffering, the cause that gives rise to suffering, dukkha, the cessation of that dukkha, and the way of practice that leads to that cessation of dukkha. And so this is a mind that has wisdom, but if the mind doesn't have wisdom, if there is ignorance, this delusion, which is overpowering the mind, then our view will be incorrect. And so this suffering that arises, no one likes that, no one wants for it to come up. But if the causes are there, then suffering will arise. And that's because the stukha doesn't just appear out of thin air. It's something which too has causes and conditions that give rise to it. And it appears from delusion, from craving and clinging. And these qualities that are present in the heart, and when they're there, then suffering comes up. And sometimes we're pleased. So there's pleasure, there's a sense of happiness there. But really, that happiness is just a minor form of dukkha. It's just a small amount of suffering. It's not genuine happiness. It's not peace of heart. And this pleasure uh, is the cause for suffering to arise in the future. So we need to study, to learn, to train, to practice. Because the mind which doesn't have knowledge, which is deluded, it will separate things out, separate them out into us and them, into male and female, people of various statuses, and separate things out in this way. But in reality, there isn't this separation in nature. See, nature has equity and that it's all just elements following the course of nature. But this delusion that's there in the mind and has been present for a very long time is what causes us to separate things out and so suffering arises. So we need to develop these minds, cultivate them so that they become better than they were before. So if we don't train these hearts of ours then they'll always be following um, these sense objects. And when we gain a sensory experience, then the heart just chases after them. And so there are these sense organs, 
of the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the body and the mind. And these meet with the external sense objects of forms and sounds and odors, tastes, tactile sensations and also the Dhamma Aramanas which appear within the mind. So we gain knowledge of these or they um, we cognize them, they come into the mind. There's pasa, there's contact, there's contact, and then we experience this. If our mindfulness and wisdom is lacking, then at that point we will attach to them. There's a sense of self there, there's liking and disliking. And so the cause for suffering to arise is constantly present. So we have to study and see how this is the cause of suffering. That suffering arises due to craving and clinging. And we don't want to suffer. And so therefore we need to walk this path of virtue, collectedness and wisdom. And this is the way out of suffering. Because there's no one who enjoys dukkha. But we often create the causes for dukkha to arise, and so we experience suffering. And the Buddha taught that all dhamma, all phenomena, they have causes which bring them about. And we don't want suffering, and so we need to walk the path that takes us out of suffering. And this is the path that brings the mind to awakening, to realizing its Buddha nature, this is the path that the Buddha found already, and there's no other way. And see how there are many paths in this world. And we can also go out into space and explore space. But that's, it's all just concerned with self. And it doesn't lead us out of ignorance, uh, craving and clinging. But in the Buddha's teachings, um, he taught us to go out of these, and to leave suffering, to go above the world. So we need to see the dangers of uh, these harmful things and try to practice. And like we see that perhaps before we weren't so generous, and we see the drawbacks of that, and so we try to develop generosity. You can offer food to monks on arms round, for instance, and then we can sit in meditation, developing our minds, chanting, cultivating a heart of kindness, and keeping the precepts, the five precepts, on a regular basis, and then on sometimes we can keep the eight precepts, and train and practice. And in the end, our efforts of meditation will bring about peace of mind. And we'll see the results of our practice. We'll know for ourselves what that's like, that the mind settles, it comes to a state of stillness and peace. And when the mind is settled and still and peaceful, then we'll see that happiness there within our hearts, that happiness that comes from calm, and see just how good that is. And before we'd never experienced that, but we sit in meditation and perhaps one of our hands feels like it vanishes, and then the other hand 
one foot feels like it disappears and then the other foot and then half our body feels like it's gone and perhaps the whole body feels like it's not there the body is very very light and that's what happens when the mind comes together and mindfulness and samadhi gather into one spot and it feels like the body doesn't have any weight to it but normally when the mind is still kind of cognizant of the body then it feels like there's weight because there's a sense of self there but when the mind separates out from the body through samadhi and then we experience that great kind of lightness and it's like a body isn't present and so we see just like how the benefits and how good samadhi is and when we meet with the sense object we don't suffer over that an object which usually gives rise to anger but we don't feel angry an object which normally gives rise to delusion or greed but we don't feel deluded or greedy we don't feel hatred or fear and these things just aren't there but when our samadhi isn't firm when mindfulness is weak and then the mind experiences these sense objects and then starts to proliferate upon them and starts to get angry and then it proliferates on that but when the mind is peaceful and it has wisdom then it will see that there isn't really anything there and that all things are changing and that everyone who is born into this world they all need to die and so it's better to put these things down and there's no there's no reason to be afraid of any of them so the mind can gain bravery like this through our practice of the dhamma and the dhamma protects those who protect the dhamma and we see how all things um, are conventions you know, just like the money in this world all the things that we say are precious like precious gems but we can also see how these conventions can change like if there's not enough air then suddenly the value of air will go up a lot if we're in a place where water is lacking then water suddenly becomes very valuable so in this present day you see how the cost of fuel is increasing <coughs> and the price is going up and up and people are even struggling and fighting over this so when the price of energy goes up then problems arise all throughout the world and why is that because the world is developed there's this worldly development and we think that when we develop the world then we'll have happiness we create all of these machines <coughs> and vehicles but they require energy for them to run and if they lack those sources of fuel then a lot of problems and chaos can arise but if we don't have these things we're able to survive without them and just like how before we didn't have cars we didn't have machinery like this but everyone could survive 
But once we invent them and we have them, then we can't live without them. And if there's a power cut for just 10 hours, a lot of problems can arise. And that's because we're used to having electricity. So when the world develops, then darkness also develops. And this isn't the development of the mind. In order to cultivate and raise our minds, we need Dhamma to do that. And this is able to solve all of the suffering that we experience. So we should come to contemplate and reflect upon conventions and how things are valuable just due to conventions. But we can also change the conventions up, create new ones, suppose things are new. And when we do that, then the things which were previously very valuable can lose their value. We should contemplate how all things are impermanent, they're stressful, they're not self. Like this life of ours, is this life also impermanent, stressful, and not self? Well, it is. And that's because all things um, have arising, lasting for a bit, and ceasing as their nature. And really the cessation is happening with each passing second, minute, hour, day, month, and year. And in the end, these bodies, they break apart, they decay, and the elements return to what they were previously like. So therefore, our lives in this world are just temporary, and they don't last long. And the people who were here a while ago, um, they've gone already. And sometimes the people who were born after us, they can leave before us. But we should use this life of ours and use the mindfulness that we have in order to study this life. What's it like? So we gain an understanding of it. But we need to train our minds to be able to do that as well. And it's important that we cultivate, that we develop these minds so that they do get better so they are minds that are imbued with a sense of giving, with virtue, and with cultivation. And those who were previously not generous, they can train to be more generous, to give material things and to forgive their, to give their forgiveness as well. And then when we've got that down, then we can go to train in morality as well developing our sila, and then developing our samadhi to be better, our wisdom to be better, training our minds in this way. And we see how the mind which is well trained gives us happiness. So we set our hearts on this, using this good opportunity that we have, using this strong body that we have. Because when we get very old, it can be difficult to walk, for example. We may just need to sit down. And then when we sit for a long time, then we'll feel like just lying down. And so we use this strength and this health that we have to train, to meditate, to chant. And some monks, they ordain at quite an old age, but they're really sincere. 
They see that they're old already, maybe 60 years old. And they think, well, if I die when I'm 80, then I've just got 20 years left. So we should count how many uh, years, months, and days we've been in this world for. And if we live to 80, then how many years, months, and days do we have left? It's really not sure. But what is sure is that we have to leave this world, that we're just temporary residents here. But if we don't have wisdom, if there's craving, then all sorts of problems arise. And this creates a lot of chaos. So we need to be composed and cautious. Composed and cautious over our senses. And so it's like a turtle that there's a dog that's come and trying to eat that turtle. And so it pulls its head in. And uh, because it's withdrawn its head, that dog isn't able to eat it. And so that's the caution that it has. So when we experience any sense impression, uh, that's where the mind attaches. And there's a comparison that Mpucha gave, Ajahn Chah, and something that's really worth pondering over. He said it's like there's a lemon that's there, and that lemon is sour, but if we don't put it uh, to contact our tongue, then there's no feeling of sourness that arises. Because there's no pasa there, there's no contact. But that feeling arises when there is that contact. And that contact is where craving and clinging arise, right at that point. And so we need to be cautious there and cut things off at that point, not allowing our minds to get into liking and disliking. Or if there's a thought or a dhamma, a ramana that appears within the mind, there too is pasa, there's contact there. And then when we receive that, we're cognizant of it, then the mind can respond to that with either liking or disliking. So the training of samadhi is something that's very important because it increases our heart's energy. You see how in, to increase our bodily strength, then we eat healthy foods and we exercise our body. But in order to increase the energy of our mind, we need to bring it to stillness. We need to have mindfulness, recollecting these words of Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. Or we can just use the one word, Buddha, and really set our minds on that. And then when the mind gathers together, then at that point we'll see the Dhamma with clarity. And so may all of you set your hearts on this. <coughs>